DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk with Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham, who we suspect is a little uncomfortable right now. Kyle, how are you? Doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Eight and one. Everybody's saying nice things about your teams. Does that make you uncomfortable? Well, you know, I think it goes both ways. I think it's nice to have our guys recognized for what they've accomplished so far. Uh, which you know we've done some pretty good things so far this season, but but uh, certainly you know there's a lot of football left. Uh, you know we're just you know at the very the beginning of this uh, you know the the push for the end of the season, and so uh, as long as our guys stay grounded and take things uh, you know in order, then uh, you know we'll see what happens. Well, I know you don't want to hear this, but I've already made my uh, reservations to Santa Clara, and I won't have you comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I want to hear that. <laughs> You're right. I don't want to hear that. Exactly. But I will say, you know, I've been around your team now on a fairly close basis for a number of years, and the amount of uh, senior leadership that you have, and maybe even some uh, a couple of younger guys, a guy like Jalen Johnson, who's only a junior, although he's open to speaking about wanting to go to the NFL this season. But anyway, it seems like any form of letdown won't happen because of the leadership. And I can argue, too, that actually the intensity will increase because the finish line is there and everybody can see it. Well, I concur with your assessment. I and mean, we've got a lot of leadership on this football team, and, and the senior class is outstanding. It's a, it's a very similar to last year's senior class, but about double in size. You know, we only had like eight right. or nine uh, scholarship seniors last year. We've got, uh, you know, about double that this year. And so, uh, it's a team that uh, is focused. Uh, they they know how to practice and, and watch film and do all the things you need to do Monday through Friday to to get ready for a game. And, and you're right. You know, they're starting to be. Uh, you know, things are starting to come into to uh, focus a little bit, uh, you know, as, as the season wears on, and, and what what the possibilities are. But uh, what you got to do, and again, is just focus on getting, you know, being one and zero, you know, each particular week, and and uh, that's got to be your mindset. Otherwise, bad things usually happen. So, how much are you getting ahead on UCLA? How much you've watched Joshua Kelly run the ball? Because it seems like he's got almost, not quite, but almost 500 yards in the last three games. They've won them all, and it seems like that's driving everything for them right now. Well, that and the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback's very athletic, and, and uh, you know, many of the big plays that they. Uh, get or, or from him extending the play, either moving around the pocket and finding someone downfield, or just running the football. He's a he's a tremendous athlete. But you're right, the running game has has been uh, potent for him as well, and they're on a roll. I mean, they've won three in a row and feeling confident. And there's there's uh, you know they they control their own destiny, and that's uh, you know something I'm sure they're harping on. And and uh, you know we're going to get their best shot. There's no doubt about it. You spoke on Monday that the time off will give Tyler Huntley an opportunity to get a 100% healed. If it changes any of the way he plays or the way he has played, I don't want him to be 100%. I want him to play exactly (laughs) the way he's played. So do you think that this injury or rehabilitation and recovering will change anything? Because obviously he's been playing brilliantly. He's been playing well. And and, uh, credit to Andy Ludwig for tailoring things to uh, his, you know, his... uh, I guess you could say limitations the last few weeks because he hasn't been uh, able to do everything that he was doing earlier in the season as far as moving the pocket around and, and the play-action pass game and the things that uh, you know he did very well early on. But uh, we're hoping that we can get back to you know being able to have the full offense at his disposal and not uh, worry about uh, you know creating things where where uh, you know we keep him uh, not moving like uh, like he was earlier in the year. If that makes sense. 
I don't know if you can answer this, but you're the boss making the big money, so I certainly hope you can. <laughs> but I really don't know if you can. This, I think, is the best group of receivers you've had since the Sugar Bowl team. I think the progress they made is obvious, and I don't know why you never another, had another group make this kind of progress. It's not as if you're sitting on you know one or two elite talent NFL guys who are driving it. Everybody's getting better, and everybody's making plays when it's their turn and they have the opportunity. Why is it clicking now with this group and not with previous groups? Well, I think, first of all, they may be the most talented group overall from top to bottom since uh, the Sugar Bowl and, and very, very uh, you know, on par with that group. And, and uh, you know, you're right. There's no one go-to guy. We just have a bunch of unselfish guys that are that are playing hard, and they, they do have talent. I don't want to paint the picture that we, there's not a, you know, it's not a talented group because they are. But, but uh, you know, Demar Simpkins has done a great job of being the leader of that group and instilling uh, that uh, you know that unselfish attitude because he's one of the most unselfish players we've ever had here, and and uh, it would be very easy for for guys to get a little bit. Uh, you know, antsy and and, and wanting to, uh, you know to be featured a little bit more, but all they want to do is win. They're willing to block downfield. They're willing to do whatever it takes to to uh, help the football team. And and uh, and a credit to Coach Holiday as well. Uh, Guy Holiday, their coach, has has uh, definitely been a you know instrumental in in shaping that group and and uh, their mentality and how they go about their business. So you've been at Utah, what, 25-plus years or whatever it is? And obviously 25 years, yeah. Head coach for, what, 15 of those years. And all, all during that time, you've had a number of just outstanding defensive backs. And I want to argue that Jalen Johnson is the best of them, and I also want to argue that he's going to be an outstanding pro. Debate me if well, you way. I agree he's going to be an outstanding pro. I, I, I think that's uh, you know his, his style and his – his uh, skill set, his size. I mean, he's got the whole, the whole package uh, for what they're looking for at the next level in that position. Uh, he has been outstanding for us ever since he got on campus. You know, he's uh, been a starter since uh, since day one. Uh, had a, you know a few minor injury setbacks, but but uh, you know he's playing excellent football for us right now. And I, you know, he, it's a bold statement to say he's the best ever here because you know Eric Weddle's in that mix as well. And, and so uh, you know, we'll see. I think you know there's maybe a little bit. Of Early to, to make a final assessment, but but he has been a, a huge asset for Coach Scally and the, and the defensive coaches because when you can essentially take away you know half the field or, or a certain guy because of his presence, that allows you to do a lot of good things with the other guys uh, defensively. So PK and I are at most of your Monday press conferences, uh, and you had one that ended with a question I kind of wanted to follow up on. Uh, was asked about your, you know, the stat you find most important, and of course you went to turnovers. And in some of these press conferences, you've talked about the stats, and you were really drilling down into analytic stuff and stuff that people don't follow. But you were rattling it off off the top of your head. So when you get beyond the final score and beyond the turnovers. What are a couple of things you really focus on that determine winning and losing? Because, you know, there's some hardcore youth fans out there who'd like to follow along right with you watching that kind of stuff. Well, there's a, there's a lot of things, and I don't know if you can, you know, in, in a particular week, some other things may be important than, than uh, 
than some of the other stats and vice versa the next week. I think it, 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 your opponent that you're facing has uh, something to do with that and what they do well and trying to take that away from them. And So there's more variables than just uh, cut and dried a list of 1 through 10 or whatever. But, but some of the, the more important stats, uh, certainly, um, you know, running the football. If you can if you can run the football effectively, I mean, you look at the you know the top offenses in the country, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and, and uh, Ohio State. I mean, they run the football exceptionally well, 250 a game. Or, or thereabouts, and so to me, that's always a critical status. If you can run the football, and then conversely defend the run on defense, that's uh, you know I don't think that'll ever change. And there are some weeks where it's an exception. I mean, you play Washington State, then the run game is is really not not a factor. You know, for your defense, you've got to stop you know the throw game. But but that's always uh, something that uh, is critical. Red zone defense and red zone offense. You know, making sure you finish drives and and uh, have a, the percentage that you need. Uh, and we shoot for seventy percent touchdown success in the red zone offensively and if we can hold the opponents to 50% or less then that's uh, we feel like we're doing uh, good things you know in that regard um, pass efficiency defense is important it's not total yards that you give up it's it's you know when they do throw the ball is what's happening because if someone throws the ball 50 times a game they're certainly going to have more yards than someone that maybe throws it 20 or 25 but but not necessarily uh, more efficiently and and more productively and and that spills over to our offense as well. We're not throwing for a ton of yards, but our efficiency uh, throwing the football is as good as there is in the league. And so there's uh, and there's probably four or five other stats that, that uh, you know, time of possession can be a factor because you, you know, you're keeping your defense off the field. And I think we're still playing, you know, maybe the fewest snaps, certainly in the Pac-12, and one of the fewest snaps in the country as far as uh, snaps per game on defense, which keeps your guys fresh. I mean, you, you keep them fresh. You know, we've played, what, nine games, but they probably only have the wear and tear of uh, maybe six games. So it's that uh, starts to manifest as well towards the towards the end of the season. Whether through transfer or recruiting, how many scholarship quarterbacks do you anticipate having next season? Well, four or five is, is typically the number four or five, and that's most you know most teams operate on that same premise as far as how many they uh, devote to that position. Now the quarterback position this day and age there's so much movement at that particular position in general there's a lot of movement with transfer but but uh, the quarterback position seems to have more uh, movement than than any other position as far as you know the the number of guys that uh, you have scholarships a lot of two and the number of guys that that decide to go elsewhere and so uh, you know I don't know if there's a school in the country the very few that have uh, five scholarship quarterbacks uh, in their program and most you know a lot of them only have two because guys leave at the last minute and there's nothing you can do about it so so ideally we would always you know in a perfect world always like to have four or five scholarship quarterbacks in the program uh, and uh, you know it's hard to stay at that number because like I said it's a position where it just seems to have a tendency for guys to uh, to move on more so than other spots. Well, you got a really good team that's playing really well, and uh, if that makes you uncomfortable, I guess you'd fans hope that you know you're a little uncomfortable <laughs> with all the praise that is sure to cascade your way if you keep doing this. Well, we just got to keep going about our business. That's that's the bottom line. I think, like I said, I think we got the mentality with these players to do that. So we'll see what happens. Kyle, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Okay, guys, take care. Have a good day. Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, joining us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. See you in Santa Clara, Kyle. <laughs> and then Pasadena. <laughs> I'm not willing to go there yet. I <laughs> know. I would makes, love to go there, but it makes literally him, and figuratively. It would make him uncomfortable if you just gift wrap that. I'm not going to do right that. That's, that's too outrageous. Oregon's too good. But I don't have. I, I literally made my plans in September. Yes. To go to Santa Clara. You did. 
They yeah. were the preseason pick, right. and they're living up to the hype. And they had a bad game, and they lost on the road to a decent, not really good, but a decent team. Yeah, a, a decent team with decent receiver, with great receivers, excellent receivers, and they got beat and, by one touchdown. And they made. I, and I'm they, not going to sweat they made it. Plays right. Um, so when he lists all those stats, the one I heard that really jumped out at me that we don't really consider, but we've heard it twice now this week from coaches. Gary Anderson comes on the show and he said we've played, and he listed how many snaps. He says, that's way too many. You'll, you just you won't find, I'm paraphrasing, but you won't find good teams having to defend that many snaps. It's a really hard thing to do. Your best players can't play that many plays. It gives the other team too many opportunities. And now we hear Kyle say, We're, we've defended plays. If It looks like our defense has played six games, but they really played nine. It keeps them fresher. The other way around. It, right, yes. They, they've played nine, but the number, number of, of plays snaps, they, snaps would, would suggest six, six right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a team that's frustrated and disappointed right now is playing too many snaps on defense, and a team that everyone's praising is barely playing any defense at all, that's something we ought to watch going forward. Ah, but I just don't know how much that's going to matter against Oregon. Uh, in any one game, it can be an outlier without question. If you give up big plays, you don't play that many snaps. Because I look at this three-game stretch as slightly better than BYU's next three-game stretch. It's check, check, and check. And then what do you do against Oregon? And I don't know not playing 10 extra snaps in against whomever, Arizona, three weeks later is going to matter. Oh, against the so, team, the caliber of Oregon. Right. The, the way I think it really uh, pays off, I would think the best benefit that Utah has gotten out of this is that that's fewer collisions and less chance of injury. And there's no way to know how many guys would have been injured or how serious it would have been. And I think within a game, if you can limit the number of snaps, you don't have to rotate. You, you told us a game, and it was a couple years ago, because I think Kalani was at the U then, before he went to Oregon State and BYU, but maybe it was somebody else. There was a game where a key player came off against Arizona State because he hadn't had enough rest. Trevor Riley. It was Trevor Riley. You know, the, what game was it? Arizona State, it wasn't where they ASU were game. up by 12 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and he came off, and ASU went right, right at, at his backup and boom, boom, boom. went right down the field. They were still building then. Yeah, so, but I think when you limit the plays, you limit the number of plays that Trevor Riley has to be off the field. Uh, agreed. But and I, he was a star But at I point. don't know three weeks later that that would have made a difference. And I don't. But know. it made a difference in that game. It can make a difference in any one game if you don't have to take your best 11 off the field. Right, but I think in the conference title game with the Rose Bowl right yeah, there. It's not a guarantee. I and, get that. And and if they have the one place they can afford injury is the defensive line. Sure. Hey, all of these stats, they just show tendencies and trends, and any of them cannot matter in a game. Turnovers is the first thing he goes to. You can turn the ball over in three times and win a game. Teams do it. It's just well, that the odds are... Four times against ASU. Right. It's just that the odds, are, the odds are stacked against you. It doesn't mean you don't overcome it. it. I get it. And it's a plus to have over the course of a season. Sure. But in a particular game, because I'm looking at these next three games as get me through. Get me to Santa Clara. That's one we're going to finally see. You're you're wishing time away. You're hurrying along. You hate doing that. I'm talking about, I'm not in my own personal life. (laughs) The days come when they come. I'm talking about to, to make it a quality judgment on this football team. They haven't been tested. Right. And because the here. competition hasn't been good enough. Right. And nothing Oregon about, will be. And nothing about these games, UCLA's three-game win streak notwithstanding, but you're playing a Bruin team that is uh, four and five, following it up with an Arizona team that's four and five and will probably be four and six, and Colorado's three and six. 
So to your point, there's no there's no excellence right. there. There's no greatness there. Yeah, they may drop in the college football playoff <laughs> because of the strength of schedule. Yeah. There's going to be some of that where teams take a hit or get a boost because of who's at the end of Alabama. Their exactly. strength of schedule, which has sucked, it's just it bad. Is. It is. But they're going to get LSU and they're going to get Auburn, and it's going to pump it up. Right. And conversely, and conversely Utah's these three get teams, these teams that they're playing, it's, it's not an indictment on Utah. I want to make sure everybody understands that. It's an indictment on the Pac-12. These three teams are 11 and 16 right now. Right. That's awful. Yeah. And Arizona lost to Hawaii and UCLA lost to San Diego State. And you're the Pac-12. You're not supposed to be losing to the Mountain West. I mean, we realize you're going to lose some, but that's just not good. And now I'm supposed to be, oh, they control their own destiny. No, they don't. <laughs> they control it until, you, until Utah rips it away from them. Midway through the second quarter. Uh, all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Joe Ingles Show, coming up at 9 o'clock. Joe will be here, Craig Bowlerjack, next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz out-rebounding the NBA's best rebounding team, and they beat the Sixers 106-104. Ben Simmons left with a shoulder injury, only played 10 minutes. Donovan Mitchell scored 24 points. Boyan Bogdanovich added 20. The Jazz are off tonight. They host the Bucks tomorrow night. Tonight in the NBA, Thunder and Spurs at 6.30. The Heat and the Suns. Phoenix off to a great start. That game's the 7. Trailblazers and Clippers at 8.30. Kawhi Leonard expected to play in tonight's game. He did not play last night as the Clippers fell to Milwaukee 129-124. Thursday night football and AFC West clash. Chargers and Raiders 6.20 on Fox and the NFL Network. And you can listen to the game right here on the Zone Sports Network on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Top of the wire brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing and get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. From The Athletic, Mike Eugenin. And I'll be honest, if I'm a Pac-12 coach and Urban Meyer takes that USC job, I'm hoping I'm a Pac-12 coach in the North. <laughs> well, you know, it's good for the, I mean... It's good for the league, It's though. good you're for right. the conference. In a, in yeah, a weird but, way, you're right. If USC is your standard bearer, the national perception of the league is much stronger, and that's East Coast bias. Um, I certainly think Oregon and Utah are really good teams, and put them in the SEC or Big Ten or ACC or Big 12. Those teams are going to challenge for the title. I think the perception, though, is when USC's down, the league as a whole is down. So from the national perception standpoint, having USC be really, really good is a great thing for the Pac-12 zone. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join Scotty and Hans Friday from 12 to 3 at the warehouse, 85 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. DJ and PK, time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lisa, the handset, and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Bowler, good morning. DJ, PK, how are y'all? Good. I thought that was an interesting game last night. I thought there was a lot of stuff going on. What do you think is the uh, the best thing the Jazz did and the worst thing they did? The number one thing that Quinn's going to want to correct in the next video slash pra- video session slash practice, and then the best thing, the thing he's going to want to reinforce in the next video session. 
Well, let's see. Let's start with the one we talked about the last uh, three days rebounding. I thought it was a um, a great bounce back from the two games on the road in Sacramento and, and L.A. with the Clippers. So you look at boards against the uh, best rebounding team in the NBA. The Jazz uh, had a 50-42 advantage, and they finally got some you know, paints in the point, <laughs> points in the paint, and they also – uh, got second chance points. I mean, those were the two big things that were bothering, uh, you know, jazz fans, and it was uh, jumping out there at you, at you especially uh, against the Clippers, and then the the, the blockout that ne- that did, that never occurred in Sacramento that cost them a, a one point loss. So, I think that's a positive. The Jazz went to work. I thought focused and uh, were much more aggressive last night, despite the fact Ben Simmons got hurt. I thought the Jazz just had more energy and. Uh, were the, the the better team last night. Um, how about keeping Joel and beat off the free throw line? I mean, it, it really the the fourth quarter is is kind of a uh, despite the thirty one twenty two advantage by Philly. I thought again the free throws made that uh, quarter imbalanced. Uh, I thought the Jazz, you know, it's, it's I thought they were a better team than a two point win last night. So, you know. I, He'll talk about fouling, and he's always talking about hands up and showing hands. And I thought, again, a couple of times last night, Royce O'Neal, Tony Bradley especially, did a good job in that. But at the same time, you put any type of body into a player like Ben Simmons, you're going to get a whistle. And that's what this league is. Uh, It's an offensive league, and it's tough to play defense. Uh, So I think he's got to be pleased uh, with the way the Jazz really bounced back from the two road losses and beat a team that is supposed to uh, be at the top of the East, if not win the East. So um, I thought some, a lot of good things did happen, DJ, as you mentioned. A lot of good storylines. I thought Joe Ingles, too, was a huge story off the bench. Uh, there was a lot of life uh, with that second unit last night led by, by Joe. That's exactly where I was going to go, Craig. I believe that Joe Ingles needs to find himself more influential on the offensive end. And what I mean by that, a simpler way, is have the ball more and take more shots. Right. No, I'm not going to argue. You know, looking at his numbers last night, I mean, that's Joe Ingles, right? I mean, that's Joe Ingles. He's not six and a half points a night. I mean, Joe Ingles is a guy that needs those 11 shots that he got, and he got 16 points. And he was just a a guy with uh, active hands, and he was jawing again. I thought he he was also part of that jazz defense. That was intimidating at times, and uh, he, he's just a player that you PK you have to have on the floor. He does multiple things, um, you know. Semi coach, uh, he's smart. Uh, you know, he's a he's a trash talker. He's a guy that gets nitty gritty, jumps for loose balls, and you got to have a player like that. Royce O'Neal, same way. He's not taking a lot of off, you know, a lot of shots offensively, but obviously he knows his role, and that's to go out there and get. Uh, get physical right defensively and we saw that again last night too so both those guys combined i thought really gave the jazz energy and uh, and the crowd did too last night uh, i think there was a lot of fans in the stands anxious to get a jazz win and, and again tomorrow night another big test with the bucks i mean that that team we know well and that's with with antetokounmpo uh they're they're about as good as they get too those two teams the top ones right now in the east is the Jazz bench going to get better, or are the Jazz just going to routinely give up runs when the Jazz bench comes in? You know, I think that's the one thing that uh, is going to is ongoing with with injuries to Moutier uh, and also now at Davis. 
you know, for a four to six week period, Moutier should, you know, bounce back quicker than what Ed Davis is uh, with his leg. But, you know, you're going to have to look at Tony Bradley. I mean, you know, he's had a couple of good games, guys. I think George Niang, um, you know, he took one shot last night, really not involved, had foul trouble. Uh, I'm not sure when we see Dante should be tomorrow night. I mean, that's kind of what the rumor mill is out there. And if that's the case, that gives Quinn a whole nother way of rotating players and maybe alleviates, you know, Donovan's load at the point. Uh, if, uh, you know, Emmanuel Moutier is not able to go. And I wonder, too, if we don't maybe get a chance to see Mieoni. Uh, there's a couple of guys there I'm intrigued to, to see how they do on the floor if needed. Uh, but right now, I thought last night was an improvement uh, with what the Jazz bench uh, gave Quinn, led by uh, Joe. Um, is he going to be on today? Supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. No, he's got to be happy, right? I, I would think that that's probably one of his best games of the year in a new role, which I think, again, he's had to adjust to. And I thought he really led the second unit. And Plus, he, he mixed and finished. And I think you'll see Joe in that fourth quarter on every night. I mean, you got to have a guy like that, you know, on the floor with three-point ability, his layup, uh, what he, you know, does on his drives inside. And, and just his swagger, PK. I mean, I, I just like the I, I like the body language from Joe Ingles out there, and it seems like the team does too. I like the body language of what I've been seeing from Donovan Mitchell. It's like I'm a star. I know I'm a star. Everybody knows I'm a star, so I'm going to play like it. And I yeah, love that yeah. what uh, Thurl was saying with you on the broadcast as far as that mid-range there, and Quinn backed it up in the postgame on DJ's question. If the mid-range is open, take it, and Mitchell is taking it and making it. I don't have a problem with mid-range. I know analytics tell us no. I know the high percentage is at the rim, and you, three is more than two, but I'd rather get two than nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of an easy philosophy. And Donovan is a talented guy in the mid-range. If he doesn't see it outside, I like it when he steps in. He goes free throw line straight away. You can go wing angles, and, of course, he's a driver when he needs to be. But I would, who's arguing with seven games of the first eight that he's been 20-plus and – I, I, PK, your comment about I think he knows that he's good uh, is spot on. Third year, and what happened this summer, and what Popovich kind of now like to almost be a fly on the wall to see how Popovich handled and coached him uh, during Team USA competition because I think he just understands who he is, and he said two things. I want to be in shape. I want to make better decisions. And obviously, with the way he plays, too, he's going to get more free throw opportunities, though he did not last night because he was more taking, you know, pull up Jays and, and, and going outside a little bit. But um, his, his look and the way that he handles himself right now, I think in his mind, he knows he belongs at the highest level in the league. And that's uh, kind of a beautiful thing to watch, huh? Well, I think if you don't, you can't play at that level unless you think that. I think for most people, so I think the one goes with the other. I'm curious uh, to get back to the bench a little bit. I didn't know what I should expect out of Jeff Green, and maybe I still don't know. But I expected more than this, and we're only eight games in, so let's not get too wound up about stuff. But at the same time, let's go, let's go, let's go. So, what should yeah. I be expecting? Well, I think you. Are, I think we're all expecting more offense, right? Uh, I think you know he came in with. The three-point shot, I saw him with mid-range uh, during his career as well. A little bit of a driver. Age is maybe part of that. Uh, but I still see him as an athletic, physical guy. Um, one of six, he's better, and he would tell you that. 
Uh, rebounded six times last night, grabbed six boards, so that's a that's a plus in his direction. But I think the whole bench uh, has to still continue to step up and and do better. Uh, last night, you know, Joe sixteen kind of gives it a little bit more balance. But uh, you know, Tony Bradley, I didn't expect um, you know to be a factor. And that's kind of that's a nice surprise. You know, 12 minutes, he missed one shot, eight points. Uh, the guy can rebound, and he has block shot, you know, ability as well. So he's learning the process, and it's going to be a great opportunity for him for the next, you know, four to five weeks while Davis uh, recovers from the fractured leg. But there still needs to be more punch. I'm with you. And where's that come from? I don't know if it's the return of Moutier. I don't know if Dante Exum uh, will be able to give the Jazz something that we've waited for now for years. And I just hope for Dante that he stays healthy. I'd love to see him play 72 games, 70 games, and really give him himself confidence. And also I think the Jazz front office and the fan base are anxious to see what he really truly is. Injuries have just haunted this guy, and it's time that he gets a chance to play some basketball. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, not necessarily hold my breath, but at this point in my mind, anything he gives him is a bonus, but I know they're expecting him to be back on the floor, and we'll see how it goes, and hopefully it works very well. Uh, what was the deal about Gobert wanting more touches? Well, from what I got was it's kind of a two-fold comment, and I think you saw some of it last night. Uh, they went to him early and often. They also, I think Ingles was focused on giving him the ball, too, and the touches from inside the locker room was the fact, yeah, I think Rudy wants to have a, a more of an offensive, uh, you know, uh, impact on this team, but also talking to some other Jazz officials, it's the, the thing was, look, touch the ball, uh, help run the offense, draw defenders to him, let him kick it out or pass it inside. He's turned into a pretty good pocket passer, uh, and he would like to be able to facilitate some of that. So the touches equate, I think, two things, PK, helping the offense get more involved and him being a part of it, but also letting him have some, uh, you know, some looks down low, uh, not only the high lob pass or the high pass, and him finishing at the rim, but maybe just letting him try to uh, use his body down on the block and, and score inside. But kind of saw a little combination of everything last night. I think the team uh, tried to accommodate some of those things that Rudy was concerned about. And, you know, you got to win against Philadelphia. And I think Rudy, um, when you look at his box score, he played 36 minutes, still only took eight shots. But, um, you know, he got 14 and 16 and a block shot, but he fouled out late. But he had to battle inside with Embiid all night. But I, I thought he had a really good game. I, I thought he looked more comfortable, looked more engaged, PK. And maybe that's what it takes, just to you know get some touches. It's as simple as that. I was surprised Rudy didn't run Embiid more. I thought Embiid was gassed in the third quarter. Even like three minutes into the third quarter, I was shocked yeah. to see him hands on knees. Uh, somebody, one of the guards... When I think it was Conley, went flying by him, maybe somebody else, but I think it was Conley, went flying by him and got a bucket and got a foul on him. I thought, if they run this guy, he's going to foul out. And they didn't foul him out, and he ended up fouling Gobert out, and all the free throws he got down the stretch, they ended up not mattering, but they could have. I know that's something they've worked on in the past. Is that probably just there's a list of things that Quinn will go through, and at some point there's going to be practices devoted to that, spot those guys Most and likely. run them? You know what? Your your point's well taken. I thought when I saw him just breathing, sucking air last <laughs> night, and uh, I I really thought that 
he rested and got a chance to recover a lot because of the free throws. I mean, the guy was living at the line in the, in the last six minutes when he was gassed, as you said. And had he stayed off the line and the Jazz were running him back and forth, I think he probably would have fouled out on his own just to get get a chance to get off the floor. But it didn't work out that way. And then you kept him in by knocking out free throws. I mean, that's a pretty, inter- you know, pretty impressive performance for a big guy. Uh, that can stand up there and hit 16 of 18, you know, free ones, and that kept that kept uh, obviously Philadelphia within striking distance around the fourth quarter. Um, and Gobert, as you said, is the one that I thought he would foul him out, but instead Gobert got fouled late, or he fouled Embiid late, and that was it. When do you think we should start paying attention to the standings? You know, that discussion has been um, since I've been calling games. Um, I think even into the game's 30s and 40s. I've asked Quinn about that, and look, I know everyone always glances, but in reality, uh, it, it's. I think this year in particular, PK, it's going to jockey back and forth, uh, and it's just going to be a, you know, a spin your head around trying to keep track of what goes on in the West. Um, that game last night for the Jazz was big uh, against one of the better teams uh, in the East, and tomorrow night will be the same way with the Bucks. but I think in the West, you're just going to see a lot of back and forth I wouldn't be surprised in a lot of four-game series. You see 2-2, home and away. You may steal one at home. You may give one away at home. Uh, I think it's just going to be that way because of the incredible balance, one through ten. Uh, I think you see Norton's already, you know, really tailing off despite, uh, you know, Zion's injury. And Faves hasn't been able to go with the sore knee, which we knew. Uh, we heard that a lot during his career with the Jazz. And um, So there's teams out there that are kind of still finding their way, like the Jazz. But I think you see what's the top eight, top nine right now. I think those guys are just going to jockey back and forth. So I don't know. I don't think Quinn's going to be looking at standings for quite a while. PK fans will. But I don't think uh, Quinn Snyder cares much right now. I do think that there won't be much change those last 20 or 25 games. It's hard to move very much because so many teams are shutting it down. There's so many wins for all the good teams. Great point. Load management. I mean, you're already seeing it on no back-to-backs. Kawhi, the way things are going, I mean, he may be like what Toronto did last year and what LeBron's doing now. Again, at his age, I get that. Um, But, you know, he played 60 games last year. I'm speaking of Kawhi in Toronto, and they won a title. So probably the Clippers will take that same, uh, you know, model and try to implement it. And Kawhi most likely knows his body better than anyone, and he's going to dictate when he when he jumps on the floor and when he doesn't. That's the way this league's going, is that you protect superstars, and what happens is what matters is postseason play, right? And we know that. And we'll see how if the Jazz have to do load management with Donovan, depending on minutes. Um, and But he's 23. That does help. But at the same time, you have to protect a player, which I know angers fans. But that's the way it is in this league right now. And I was surprised, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think LeBron has stepped out of two national broadcast games and one by Kawhi, if not two. And I wouldn't be surprised if at the national level that isn't a discussion point to the front office with Adam Silver. I mean, I think these guys pay so much they expect the stars to play on you know in prime time. So we'll see if that continues or not. Bowler, we appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again next week. Guys, great. Thanks so much. See you soon. Craig Bowler, Jack, join us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, Joe Ingles is coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone.
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Purchase a Ford Fans on all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fans on all-you-can-eat tickets now. Looks like the narcissist uh, took his message down from our Facebook page. No! You chicken. <laughs> Look at you going into attack mode now. <laughs> You're gutless. Come on, man. If you think I'm a narcissist, let me have it. I can handle it, but don't take it down. I am a narcissist, I guess. <laughs> it just so happens to be about me. That makes me a narcissist. Jeez. Of course it's about me. Why else do you listen? Right now, get on our app. Give us three reasons why you listen. PK, Jersey, Jazz. In that order. Why would you? Jazz are the third We've been doing this for a long time. Why do you listen? That's an interesting question, though. Because you do. It's part of your routine. I know, but why? Seriously, why? Why do you listen? Want to hear about the Jazz game last night. All right. Want to hear from Kyle Whittingham. Okay. Had Kyle on earlier. Okay, so then that really has nothing to do with us. I want Joe Ingles' insight. That has nothing to do with us. I, want, I mean, I got him because I, I got to PK know him. Singing. Yeah, I want to hear about the Jazz last night. That does have to do with us. Anybody yeah. can tell you about the Jazz. You yeah, just read the box to, score. But they want to hear from you. So it is about me. See? Well, by definition, I should. I need a raise. <laughs> I should be a narcissist. You go get that. <laughs> if it's about me, why do folks listen? Why do you listen to DJ There's and PK? one reason, PK. You know it, what I'm talking about. What? You looking like a fool to me. Tell me why you have to go and make things so complicated. Click. That. Click. (laughs) Click. They're not hanging up a phone. Exactly. What are they doing? That's the button clicking on the car radio. I don't think it clicks, does it? Depends with the touchscreens. It doesn't have to It doesn't matter. We get the point. Yeah. (laughs) Why do you listen to our show? And why? How long have you listened to? That's an interesting deal. We should do that. Find out what is the actual reasons. How long? How long have you been listening? And what's your reason? <laughs> you have to be listening for fifteen years to get that. <laughs> That's a fifteen-year-old joke, right what's there. What's your best goal? What year did you graduate? Yuck! That joke can almost drive. Yeah. It's it's up there. <laughs> All right, Joe Ingles is coming up next. That's why you're listening. What did Joe have to say to Embiid? And can Joe Ingles play that well if he doesn't say a word? Does he literally have to do that to be good? We'll talk with Joe about that next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.